Tonight, the title of the message is called Stay Focused. Staying Focused. So we're going to start out in Hebrews chapter 12. This is a familiar passage I'm sure you've heard plenty of times in the New King James. And, um, but I'm going to read you a lot of passages tonight out of the message version. Because it just speaks to me. <laughs> it, ta- it talks to me like I talk to myself. But in Hebrews chapter 12, um, verse 1 and 2, it says this in the New King James. You don't have to put it up if you don't want to. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When I read those verses, sometimes I'm just, I know this isn't proper, like, Bible words, but it just makes me so proud of my Jesus. You know, despising the shame. (laughs) I just love him. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he sits at the right hand of God, where he belongs. You know? And it just makes me, like, like, he's my hero. You know? So, we're going to talk about this tonight, about running our race. In the message translation... It reads like this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, because Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter of faith, right? All these great men and women of God who accomplished great things for God by faith, right? So chapter 12 starts out, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. That's how I talk to myself. (laughs) You better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. (laughs) Don't you love that? I read that and it says stuff like, keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. And that's the whole goal of staying focused in this life is that we don't get entangled in the affairs of this life. We remember where we're going, right? We don't have, you know, we don't get entangled in stuff because we just keep running, just keep running. It says that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. When I read that, it made me think, you know, being from the North, growing up in Ohio and Michigan, we have snow and we have snow plows, right? And those snow plows, guess what? They don't have any problem getting through the snow. And that's what Jesus did. He just plowed through. No matter what came his way, he just plowed right through. He just cut right through it. And that's what he's telling us to do. Just keep going. Don't let it slow you down. Don't let it stop you. You know, what's funny about that, and I was thinking about it, is that the plow doesn't actually do the work. I mean, the plow cuts through it. It moves the snow. But the plow was powered by something right? There's an engine behind it, whatever. And that's the power that God promises. That's his part. But we just keep moving forward. And in his power, we plow right through. Amen? So good. So we just keep going. We run our race. So run your race. Number one, we have to run, right? Run. He wants us to run. That's what he's saying. Run. Don't walk. Don't drag your feet. Don't slough around. Don't you hate when your kids do that? You tell them to do something and they drag themselves to their room and they find 15 things to do on the way. Anybody remember Family Circus? Remember those kids that would make that trail, you know, to the back door? It's like through the whole house. Yeah. We don't like when they do it. Run your race, right? And then obviously run your race. Each one of us has a different call. Each one of us is called to different areas. That's what's great about the body of Christ is we are everywhere. We're everywhere. And if we're all doing what we're called to do in our area, then God's doing it everywhere. And then it's a race. It is a race. Now, it's not a race against, I'm not racing against Pastor Joseph or Pastor Phil, right? 
It's my race. What's it a race against? Time. I only have one life. One life to live, to change my generation. I only have one life to do that. I only have one. By the end of my life, I'm hoping that I change my world for God. Right? That the world I leave, my, my little realm, is more godly when I leave it. Right? So it's a race against time for me. I only have so many years, so many days to do this. So I want to run. You know, we used to joke, there used to be a saying that, you know, there'd be time to rest when you're dead. You know? Up until then, you want to be running so hard that at the end of life, you just throw, in, throw it in sideways and slide into the coffin. You know what I mean? Like you just all out, all the time, all the way to the end. That's kind of how I want to live. I don't want to be tired, but you know, it's pretty true. I want to get done as much as I can in my life. This is the only life, when, when we get to heaven, that my next life is, is not next life, but you know, my eternal life is not an issue. It already, it's going to belong to God. But this life is my choice. How much of it I give to God is my choice. And I just want all of it to go to him as much as I can. Don't you hate when you go through an hour or two hours and you think to yourself, have I even thought about God in this last hour? Did I even? What? You know what I mean? I ask myself sometimes, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? So when we read Hebrews 12, we come off Hebrews 11. And so you're thinking, so I don't know about you, but I think to myself, stay focused on what? What am I supposed to stay focused on? Well, we have this whole chapter on Hebrews 11. And these are the people that are supposed to, that he says, therefore, we also. We also what? What they just did. So you have people mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, like Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, things like the Jericho walls coming down. Rahab escaping death. You have all these people mentioned. And so these are all different, to me, calls in life. Like Noah, he was to save his family. That's a pretty good call, don't you think? What if we all just saved our family? You know, they got this whole little multi-level marketing deal, you know, where where you, you get three, and then they get three, and then they get three. Well, what if Christianity was like that? You just get you and your three kids, and then your three kids get their three kids, and then their nine kids get their 27 kids. You know, it doesn't always work with three kids, but you follow the example, right? What if we just, you know, really focused on our family, you know, and trained them up? The Bible says, and you know what? If, if your kids aren't serving God right now, don't you worry. You train them up in God, they're coming back. That's the word of God to you. That's a, that's a truth and a promise. So we just do our part right? We just do our part. But we would start taking over, right? If we at least saved our families. What about Abraham? It says that he would, he would train up his family. It even mentions Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. What is that? He's generations. God's into generations like Noah, right? He's into you, your kids, and your grandkids. So let's pay attention to, we can get our eyes on all kinds of stuff, but let's pay attention to our own family, right? Let's do what we can do with our own family. And then you got Moses. He turned his back on the world and helped lead God's people when he could have had a really great life. You know, there's a lot of businessmen that can make a lot of money. And sometimes they have to walk away, like Jesse Duplantis, walking away from a musical career where he was making tons of money to do what? Lead God's people. That's a calling on his life. So all of these people represent different calls on life, different things that we are being asked to do. You may not relate to one of them, but one of them you probably do. Sarah was strengthened to conceive. Now you might think, well, I don't want babies. Well, what about an idea? Conceive an idea that will change the world. Because through Isaac was Jacob and the 12 tribes of Israel, and they changed the world, and through that line came Jesus. Right? So what about an idea that changes the world? Just strength to conceive. Kids or ideas. Jericho walls, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. So are you being called to take possession of something that belongs, an area, a place that belongs to the enemy and turn it to God's people? You know, I've heard of people going into different businesses that used to be something else, you know, and turning it into something for God's use. What the Dream Center out in L.A.? They turned that whole old rundown hospital 
into, and it was a Christian hospital even at the time. I think it belonged to some Catholics. But they turned it for God's use. What about that? What about our school system? What if we finally broke those walls down and took possession? And see, God can be calling us to any of these areas. So we have a race to run. We have something he's calling us to. When you keep reading through Hebrews 12 in the message translation, you're going to come up on phrases like this. Don't feel sorry for yourself. (laughs) That's a good one. That's how I talk to myself. Don't you guys talk to yourself that way? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't shrug off discipline. Don't be crushed by discipline. Recognize trouble as training. Those are all good pointers to running your race and staying focused, right? Don't sit around. Don't sit around. Talking to myself. Don't sit around. Don't drag your feet. Clear the path and help each other out. You know, it's not easy to run. One time in uh, high school, we went to this (laughs) school in the middle of nowhere to run on their track. And we got there. It was a dirt track. There were potholes. I was running hurdles. How would you like to run a hurdle and land in a pothole? It was crazy. Clear the path. Help each other out. That means when you see a stumbling block or something, help my brother out. You know what I mean? Fill it in on their way. You pass something. You're past something that you know was hard. Help the next guy. Tell them what you learned. Right? And then it says, clear the path, help each other out, and run for it. Run for it. One time, since Eric's not here, I'll tell stories. I don't know why he's never here when I'm speaking. But it gives me a great liberty at his expense. So one time we went to Cedar Point. And those of you that don't know what Cedar Point is, it's a huge, awesome amusement park in Ohio. I mean, it makes Six Flags look like the state fair. But (laughs) it does, right? Not that Six Flags isn't bad. Six Flags is great. I mean, I love it, appreciate it. But Cedar Point is amazing. And if you've never been, you totally got to go, especially if you like roller coasters. So my family likes roller coasters. So when Eric came up to visit when we were engaged or maybe before we were engaged, we went to Cedar Point one day. And I mean, it's like a three-hour drive. You get up at 6 a.m. so you can get there when the doors open at 9. You know, you, so you run to the roller coaster because you guys know what the lines are like, right? It's not quite Disney lines, but it's long lines. So um, we were at this one, one part of the park, and, and um, we looked over, and one of the rides didn't have a very long line, like one of the coasters. And we're like, oh, my gosh, everybody run. Let's go. And Because we, we would run from ride to ride because the lines were so long, you don't want anyone to get in front of you. Right, Troy? I mean, anyone you pass is someone behind you in line, not in front of you, right? So we would run. And one time we took off running to this roller coaster, and we all got in line, and I looked back, and there's no Eric. And I turn around, and he's walking. (laughs) I, like, didn't even know what to think about that. So I was like, so either he's going to ride by himself, because now there's, like, 18 people between him and me, or I gotta get out of line and go back to where he is, 18 people back. Well, I can, that's what I did, but I can tell you I wasn't very happy about it. So, what I'm trying to say is run for it. It's not very much fun when one of you isn't running. We all have to be running because it's really fun when you run and get to do the work of God. But when one of you isn't running, it holds us all up. And I don't wanna be held up. I want to get to the fun stuff, right? So, run for it. The chapter goes on to say in the message translation, watch out for seeds of bitter discontent. You know, weeds, we know from Luke chapter 4, choke things out, right? They choke out the word. And bitter discontent, anytime you get discontent, you remember that word dis in front of any word means separate. So discontent separates you from being content. Now, see, you think, like, I thought it was Eric separating me from content in my example. But really, it was my discontent. I could have just got out, went to the back of the line, and still been content. Who cares? (laughs) Right? I mean, I say that who cares, but I cared. Obviously, I care. I still care. But it was my choice to be discontented. It was my choice to give up my contentment. You know what I mean? And he's saying, watch out for bitter discontent, because it's just going to slow you down. It's just going to choke out the word. It's going to choke out the harvest in your life. Don't let bitter discontent in. 
He goes on to say, be thankful, brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God. Isn't, isn't someone who's brimming with worship somebody you want to run with? When somebody's just happy and brimming with worship, that's who I want to hang out with. That's my person. That's my people right there. That's who I want to run with. If we can run, even if we're tired, but we're laughing or worshiping while we're running, that's who I want to be with. Because if I'm running, I still just want to have fun. I just want to enjoy it. And I want people around me that are like that. When you think about um, these passages about running your race and staying focused and keeping your eyes on Jesus and the path that's before us, obviously you're not looking at yourself. Right? So anytime our eyes get on ourselves, we are not staying focused. That's it. That's a quick, that's a dead end right there. Once I start looking at myself, I'm done running. Have you ever tried to walk looking at your phone? Have you ever tried to drive looking at your phone? That's why they tell you not to do that. It's against the law, people. Do not look at your phone while you're driving. Don't even walk while you're looking at your phone. I can't even tell you the number of times I've bumped into people, stepped off the sidewalk, because I'm looking at my phone while I'm trying to walk. It's, it's impossible. You can barely get anywhere. You might as well just stop, do your business on your phone, and then start again, because you're not getting any further. You just think you are, but you're not. I, at least I don't. Maybe you all are better than me. But whenever I stop and look at my thing or my, I look at myself, I've just stopped. I'm not running. I'm not staying focused on what's before me. And I'm definitely not thinking about where I'm headed. You know, when you get down and discouraged and depressed, it's because you're looking at you. You're not looking at heaven. I'm going to heaven. (laughs) Some days I can barely wait to get there. (laughs) But I'm waiting. You know what I mean? It's going to be so awesome. I think about heaven sometimes and I think I cannot even fathom No frustration, no frustration, no fear, no discontentment. I'm amazed. I don't even think we know what that's going to feel like. (laughs) It's going to feel great. But we can't, that's, we got to, like Jesus, looking unto Jesus, who kept looking where he was headed. So he was able to get through all the crud because he just kept looking where he was going. None of that stuff slowed him down. It didn't stop him. But you know what? He got into prayer, right? He went to a solitary place and he prayed. He got with God. Those are the kinds of things that get you through. And there's things that we can learn. In Ephesians chapter six, this is really fun to read in the message translation too. You know, this is a passage about... um, the armor of God. And in the message translation, Ephesians 6, verse 13, you can look at it in your New King James if you want, but maybe you have a message. It says, be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Can I get a witness? I'm glad I'm not doing this life without God. I don't know how people stay married without God, (laughs) as I've already uttered. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Isn't that why we're in church tonight? Give me something, Nikki. Give me something, Nikki. Right? I'm trying. I promise you, I'm trying. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued. So that when it's all over, but the shouting, you're still standing. Truth, righteousness, peace, Faith and salvation are more than words. They're weapons. Learn how to apply them. Apply what? Truth, righteousness, which we're learning about on Sundays. Peace, faith, and salvation. Those aren't just words. Those aren't things that just happen to you. Those are weapons. Those are weapons for you to make it. They're help. Then it says, God's word is an indispensable weapon. Indispensable weapon. In the same way, 
Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Essential. Why is it that we as Christians know what we should do and we're still not doing it? Why aren't we reading our Bibles? Why aren't we praying? We even have a prayer language that we can utter without even thinking anytime all day long. Every time you're not talking, you could be praying in tongues and still thinking. It's amazing. What are we doing? <laughs> Do you ever ask yourself that? that? Those are kingdom moments to me. When I stop and I say, what am I doing? That's a kingdom moment. Because the Holy Spirit just stopped me and said, what are you doing? Oh, okay, yeah, you're right. What am I doing? What am I doing? i got to get focused. i got to get focused. It goes on to say, pray for one another. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. So not only are we running this race, but don't you want everyone else running their race and not dropping out? We want everyone at the finish line, right? That's what church is about. We come in and we encourage one another. We know what we've been through this week. Somebody might not know what you've been through, but you don't know what they've been through. But we're all going through it. But guess what? We're plowing through, right? That's our confession. We are plowing through. We just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward, and we encourage each other to do that. So when someone says, how's your week? Don't just say, fine. Say, oh, let me tell you what happened this week. You tell them what you were up against, but there should be a but in there. But then God, but God. But thank God the Holy Spirit reminded me of this verse. Right? They might need that verse. Share to your heart's content. Keep each other's spirits up. So that we all cross the finish line. Nobody drops out. Nobody's allowed to drop out. I'm announcing that. None of y'all are dropping out of this race. If you do, we will come find you. We know where you live. We know where you live. Your addresses are on file. Knock on the door. Philippians chapter three. Paul's still talking. Got so much good information. You know, Philippians chapter 3 is the passage where he says, you know, I lay hold, I forget those things behind, reaching forward to those things ahead, I press toward the goal. Woo! Right? Those are winner's words, right? Let me read it to you. Let's see. In the um, message translation. Philippians chapter 3. Oh, you know what, Rachel? Can you put 1 through 3 in the passion translation? Philippians 3, 1 through 3. And I don't have that up here, so i got to wait. You guys are going to love this. My beloved ones, don't ever limit your joy or fail to rejoice in the wonderful experience of, of knowing our Lord Jesus. I don't mind repeating what I've already written to you because it protects you. Beware of those religious hypocrites who teach you that you should be circumcised to please God. For we have already experienced heart circumcision, and we worship God in the power and freedom of the Holy Spirit, not in laws and religious duties. We are those who boast in what Jesus Christ has done and not in what we can accomplish in our own strength. So even though we're running our race, we know the strength is of God. Right? There's no way we can do this on our own. I mean, and be victorious. Because that's how we see the world. They're trying to do it on their own, and they're not really winning. I mean, they're barely making it by. But that's not our story. That's not our story. I love that it says we boast in God. We boast in God. And we're not just marking our religious boxes. Like, you're here at church, Wednesday night church, check. Right? We come in, we get help. We're reminded of our weapons, we go out to win. We go out to win, 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 because that's what we do. We win, win, win. Right? So we keep our eyes on this. So when, so then let's switch over to um, the message translation starting in verse 7. 
The very credentials, these people are waving around as something special, like all the things they've done and who they are. And, you know, I went to Bible school my whole life. I've been to 16 schools. I've, you know, I finished top of my class. My credentials. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I am tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. Why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life, compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. He's my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. That was the message translation, not Nikki's translation. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ. God's righteousness. To me, that's the difference between... What's the name of my coffee at home, Drew? The little yellow ones? can't think of it either. Shoot. Anyway, that's the difference between like Folgers and real coffee. You know what I'm saying? You got righteousness based on keeping the law. Good for you. Didn't get you anywhere. Still doesn't get you to heaven. And you got righteousness from God, the robust kind, the kind that never fails, the kind that says it doesn't matter what you do, you're righteous, right? It's robust righteousness. Because of Christ, because of what he did for me. Let's keep going. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Don't you just love the passion? (laughs) Like if I could be resurrected from the dead, I'm in. I'm so in. That's what he's saying. I'm not saying that I have this all together. So here we are. This is where Paul starts to say, look, I'm not saying I know everything, but I forget what's behind and I press toward the mark. That's what he's saying here. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I haven't made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ. That's the goal. Who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. If you at least have your eye on the goal, you're heading the right direction. Isn't that what it's about? Just keep heading the right direction. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Let me see. I want to go to verse 18, I think. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you has something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. Let me read that one more time. Let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. How many of you want everything God has for you? Next line. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. If you want everything God has for you, then it's going to take total commitment. Total commitment. You're going to have to clean it out, clean stuff out. I know people, you know, we might, we're talking about righteousness on Sundays, and God has made you the righteousness of God. There's nothing you can do in this life that will make you unrighteous. However, he still has right ways. Seek first his righteousness, his ways of doing and being right. He's made you right. See, I can make you the CEO of a company and give you a great salary. And then I can try to tell you how to do a good job at that job. But if you don't do it, guess what? You're not going to be a good CEO. I can make you a prosperous person. And then I can tell you how to become more prosperous. But if you don't do what I tell you, It doesn't matter that I made you prosperous. Does that make sense? you got to keep being prosperous. There's things we do in this life. Out of who we are. So God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. 
Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Stick with me, friends. Can't you just hear Paul? Stick with me, friends. Stick with me. I'm doing this. It's working. Stick with me. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. Don't you see that? They're trying to tell you what to do. You go to work, you're trying to just live for God. And somebody's trying to invite you to do something totally ungodly or unholy. And then you say no, and they're like, come on. Come on. Come on. We call it peer pressure in high school. <laughs> but we don't really when we get older. Choosing, there are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. See, most people don't want to suffer. They don't want to suffer. But Jesus suffered. He said, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. How, do you, how will you have faith in God if you never have hard times? How do you know you have faith in God? They, they want easy street because they hate Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. Let me give you an example. When all you want is easy street, that means you just want what you want. You just want what makes you feel good. If I ate only what I ever wanted, which this isn't totally true, but I've eaten snowballs. You guys know what snowballs are? It's like the coconut. Oh my goodness. They're so good. Cake, marshmallow type hostess treats. You know what I'm talking about? Nobody's with me on that. If I, but if you only ever eat what you want, you may think I would be so happy if I just always ate snowballs. I would be so happy. But how many of you know after three days of eating nothing but snowballs, I'm probably not going to be feeling real happy. <laughs> but I really thought I would. You see what I mean? It's a dead-end street. It doesn't really get you what you want. But my belly was my God. And I gave it what it wanted. And, it, and I filled my appetite. All I could think about is my appetite. And those people that are trying to get you to do what feels good, that's all they're thinking about. is how it makes them feel. Not if it's actually good for me in the long run. If I'm eating snowballs, am I even going to be able to run? Probably not. <laughs> but if I'm wasting all my time watching TV, am I going to get to the finish line either? If I get home and I think, gosh, I just want to check out. I just want to escape this world. And then I do nothing but watch the world. <laughs> I guarantee you, I'm not going to feel happy. I'm going to feel more grieved. More grieved. I can barely even watch TV anymore. I can't hardly stand it. I'll just be honest with y'all. I've gotten to the place in my life, I just don't need it. There's more things. I've realized there's other things I need in life. So my downtime now is open a book. Read something that makes that gets me somewhere. That refreshes me. Read a testimony. Read somebody's life story. Like, remember we had all those cloud of witnesses? Well, we've had great men and women of God that have gone to heaven and left us their stories. Read one. It will so encourage you. It will shoot. Like that one verse said, shoot adrenaline in your soul. That's the kind of stuff I need in this life. That's what I want. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4. Verse 3, and I'm going to read this from the message translation too. You're going to find that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching, but they will fill up on spiritual junk food, catching opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. See what happens when you get your eyes on something that's not the finish line for you? You can chase a mirage. And that's what I was talking about. When you... I've known so many people that chase happy 
as in the happy, there's a happy place. That happy place is a mirage. Because happy isn't a place. You can think, if I just get to here, I'll be happy. If I just have this, I'll be happy. If I, ha- if I have and do everything I want, I'll be happy. No, you won't. <laughs> Show me in the Bible where it says selfishness is happy. Serving yourself will make you so happy. But yet people chase it all the time. If I can just have a bigger house, if I can just have this much in my bank account, if I can have that job, if I can have that marriage, that many kids, that when I get there, I'll be happy. And even if it was true that if you got there, you'd be happy, why not be happy today? So they're so busy chasing happy over there that we're not happy today. And the Bible says wonderful verses like, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Happy are the people who have for their help their Lord God. That's what's supposed to make us happy. That's why I'm so thankful for like Phelan and Natalie when we come in and they remind us, our God is. They put our mind on exalting God because that's, that'll make you happy. Right? When your mind goes back to who your God is, what he's done, what he will do, and what he wants to do, that makes me happy. That shoots adrenaline in my soul. That does. I love it. It goes on to say they'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. But you... Keep your eye on what you're doing. When I read that the first time, I just went right through it. Keep your eye. I was like, good. Oh, good. That's focus. Keep your eye, you know, making my notes. Oh, that goes great. Keep your eye on what you're doing. But then I went back to it and I was like, keep your eye on what you're doing. What you're doing. You know, you can get like real distracted by what other people are doing to you, what their life looks like. I mean, people get so discontented by checking out other people's social media. I wish I had that life. That's not their life either. It's social media. (laughs) You guys, we're all posting the best things about our life. That's not our life. It's like I heard a pastor say recently, I heard one pastor say to another pastor, not our pastors, I heard one pastor say to another pastor, I get so depressed when I see your social media. And the pastor said, dude... We're only posting the stuff that's going great. Like, we're not posting the 22 empty seats on the left-hand side. (laughs) It looks like the church is full in this section. You're not seeing their whole life on social media. Keep your eye on what you're doing. Keep your eye on what you're doing, where you come from, how far you come, where you're headed. And then it said, keep your eye on what you're doing. See, this comes back to run. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because we're supposed to be doing something. And I'm going to come back to this in a little bit. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. And then he says this, this is the only race worth running. This is the only race worth wanting. It doesn't matter what their life looks like. It doesn't matter. Sometimes, you know, the Bible addresses head on this thing about when people say, well, why, why serve God? Look at, they're not serving God. Look at their life. This is the only race worth running. You don't see their whole life. You don't see when they go home at night and they're by themselves. You don't see their life. This is the only race worth running. Paul says, I've run hard right to the finish, believing all the way, all the way. That's when he says, I finished my course. I kept the faith. I believed all the way to the end. Keep your eye on what you're doing. There's another good one. To eat. Let me look at my notes real quick. I can't find it right now. But in 2 Timothy 2, in the message version, this is where he says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. 
and the gift that's in you, right? That's what he says in New King James Version. In the message translation, he says, throw yourself into this work for God. Throw yourself into it. (laughs) I love that kind of language. You're speaking to me, God. He says in the message translation, when the going gets rough, take it on the chin like the rest of us. Just like Jesus did, the way Jesus did. Just because it gets rough doesn't mean it wasn't rough for someone else. We all are taking it on the chin sometime or another. That's the suffering. We all, take the, we all take the suffering, but there's a glory on the other side of the suffering, right? He goes on, he says, concentrate on doing your best for God, work you won't be ashamed of. See, remember, it's your race. It's about what you're doing. It's not what about anyone else is doing, and we all have to be doing it. If you're a school teacher, you're doing it in the school. If you're in the factory, you're doing it in the factory. If you're a business person, you're doing it at your business. If you're at Walmart, you're doing it at Walmart. (laughs) If you're in the ministry, you're doing it at the ministry. But do what you're doing. Concentrate on what you're doing. Do your best because we're everywhere. And if we're all doing it to the best of our ability with Christ, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. So when you really break down this whole list, the things that are important, you have to run your race, right? How do we do this? With the weapons, remember from Ephesians that God has given us? We have to remember what those are for. We don't just talk about them in church. We realize, like pastor's been saying on Sunday, we're his righteousnesses, his deliverances. So that means you can have deliverance anywhere you are because your God is righteous. So you go around with that mindset all the time, all the time. So you get into a rough spot, you call on the God who's your righteousness, the righteous God who makes all things right. And you start talking like that over your situation and your circumstance. You speak the truth. You get in faith. How do you get in faith? Get in the word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why I don't go home and turn on my TV. Because it got nothing for me. I mean, unless I'm going to turn on the Victory Channel or something like that, right, Joseph? It's got nothing for me. They're not speaking faith. They're not speaking my language. I'm not going to. And you know what? How many of you watch movies and can quote movie lines? How many of you can see a scene from a movie and know exactly what movie that is? Yeah. Why? Because our ears and our, our eyes and our ears are open portals to our soul. And so everything we watch is training us how to be. So if you're watching smut, you're training yourself in how to do smut. And that's what's going to come up out of you when that situation arises in your own life. That's why I love that they're starting to make Christian movies. So you can see how to act. That's what comes to your mind in a situation that's, you know, similar. (laughs) Stay in the word. Stay in faith. Stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. Be praying all the time. You know, you spend time with God. He's fire. He's fire. And he says he'll cleanse your life. Just let the power of God work, and he'll do what he needs to do in your life. And stay in joy. Joy is a great measure of where you are. When I'm not happy, I know I'm not thinking Bible. Because if I'm thinking Bible, I'm happy. If I'm thinking about my God, I'm happy. If I'm not happy, I guarantee you I'm not in my word, and I'm not thinking about God. I just got distracted, right? It's like in the car, God's still watching. And he is still God, even when that car cut you off. But you didn't get in an accident, so why are you angry? Why aren't we praising God, boasting in our God? Oh, that could have taken someone else out. God, you are awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There are so many testimonies in this church. Lynn, can I share your testimony? God will direct you to do amazing things. So Lynn, 
recently told me this testimony. This is, this is when you fellowship with God on a daily basis, when you're just listening and not distracted and not filling yourself with garbage. And I'm not, and I'm not like Lynn's keeper. I don't know what she does on a daily basis, but I can tell you she hears from the Holy Ghost because listen to the story. So she usually gets hay in the fall because she has a little slight little farm that they keep in a garden and things like that. So, but it, and usually the money for her that she needs for hay, she doesn't have until fall. But in the spring, she had extra money and she's like, gosh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to prepare for fall now. I mean, I don't know if she prayed about it, but it was just like, oh, I'll do this. Like it occurred to her. So she went out looking for hay. Well, they didn't have it. She went from place to place to place and nobody had any because it was mostly gone. It wasn't hay season. And she finally found some. And since it was like, I don't know, leftover or whatever, the people were just like, um, she, she made like a deal with them and she got all the hay. They're like, well, you know, we'll sell it to you for this low cost if you'll take all of it. And it ended up being one, one extra bale than what she needed. So she paid like the amount that she needed to pay for it. And she was happy. Oh, I got my hay. I'm done. So her neighbor the other day came over and asked, where'd you get your hay? And she ended up telling them the story. Oh, I got it back in the spring. You know, it was just amazing. I found it and, and I had the money. I bought it. And he's like, you're kidding. She, and he's like, how much did you pay for it? She told him. And he just looked at her. Now, today, if she would have, like normal, she would be going to get the hay soon. If she would have waited to get the hay now, it's costing four times what she paid in the spring. So what, like, for example, cost $400, now costs 1600 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's what happens when you spend time with the Holy Ghost, and you're, you know what I'm saying? And you're listening, and, and you're not spending all your money on you, and you're thinking ahead, and you're listening. She could have easily went shopping. But instead, she was like the aunt who prepares for winter in the summer. The Bible talks about that. And she thought ahead, and she's like, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Led by the Spirit, no doubt. No doubt. And these are the kinds of things that we can talk about. These are the kinds of little stories that we should tell each other to boast in our God. To make Him known. Right? To give Him praise and to tell the world it makes a difference. (laughs) My God makes a difference. He makes a difference. And then it makes you happy. (laughs) Right? Right? It's easy to stay in joy when, that's your, when that, those are the kinds of things that are happening to you, right? Happy are the people whose God is their Lord. So these staying in the word, staying in faith, staying in fellowship with the Holy Ghost and prayer, staying in joy, these are all keys to staying focused. If you'll stay in the word and stay in faith, I guarantee you'll stay focused. Stay in joy, you're staying focused. They're also signs that you're staying focused. They're keys to staying focused, but they're also signs that you are focused. So it's all on both ends, right? And in the, in, I'm going to take a few more minutes. But I have to say, when I started working on this message, God really started talking to me about some other things that I want to add on to the end of this, about staying focused. Remember when I told you there's kingdom moments where you say to yourself, what are we doing? Sometimes I look at the church, universal, and I say, what are we doing What are we doing? What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be staying focused. On what? On what God says to do in the day we live in. And so I talk to myself, what are you doing? Right? Because I can't think the church is some entity. I am the church. I am the church. So I say to myself, what are you doing? What are you here for? What are you here for? Am I here to accrue as much money as I can to get the nicest house on the block? Is that what I'm here for? Now, I have a really nice house, and I hope it's the nicest on the block. But you know what? I've had people over to my house. The young adults meet at my house. My house is for God's glory. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's what I use it for. It's also my I mean, it is my peaceful place. I go there and I sit on my front porch and I say, you can relate, can't you? And you look at your house and what God's done and given you and you think, God, you're amazing. 
You're amazing. How did you do this for me? How did you do this for me? And that's what you talk and that's what you tell people, right? So what are we, the church, doing? Are you enjoying Sunday's messages? Are you enjoying Sunday's worship? Oh my gosh, I so am. When you have a worship list that just, wow, right? Why not play it again Sunday morning from your phone? Log on to the messages and listen to that on the way to work. Listen to the worship set that you just loved on Sunday on the way to work on Monday. And then guess what? It probably will get in you enough that you'll find yourself during the day on Monday singing it, one of the songs, or at least humming. For me, it's probably humming. Singing or humming. And then you know what will happen? Somebody will say, what are you singing? Just open the door and walk through. What are you doing? Tell them the song. Tell them the lyrics. Tell them what worship was like on Sunday. All because you were humming the song you heard on Sunday. If you loved Sunday's message, listen to it again on the way to work Monday. So when you get to work, you remember what it was about and you can tell somebody at break what church was about. What are you smiling about? Let me tell you, the, the message at church on Sunday changed my life. It ch- Pastor said, and I mean, that was to me. It was for me. See, we don't have to ask them to come to church. You are the church. So you take church to them. What are we doing? What are we doing? Take church to them. Take the word to them. Give yourself opportunities. Share what you know. Share the testimonies you hear from other people in the body. Share them with people. Talk to people at church, everyone. Talk to Get here early. Let me say that again. Get here early and talk to people before church so you can hear what's going on so you have something to say. You have something to talk about. Don't just come for the message and leave. Hear the stories. We have amazing stories in this body. Amazing stories. Much less the messages we're getting. I mean, pastor's on fire. This is the mess. I mean, this is a message we have to have for the day we're living in. We have to understand righteousness. We have to understand righteousness if we're going to be mature. It's so good. So, so good. So you start talking about what God's doing at work. One of two things is going to happen. They're either going to stay away in droves, and then you can sing as loud as you want, or they're going to be drawn to you like they were to Jesus. They're going to come to you next week and say, so what did your pastor say this week? And they might say it like that, but then guess what? They really want to know. They're just trying to play it off like they don't want to know. Guys, you have the living word. On your lips and in your mouth. The words of faith that we preach. The gospel, that's the power to salvation. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that has power in it to get them saved. And all you have to do is talk about it. That's it. So start treating your job like your ministry. Wherever you are, that's your ministry. And then when you're done with your day ministry, go to your night ministry. You guys, we have 12 outreaches. If you get in church center and you go to groups, there's a group called outreach groups. There's 12 outreaches in there that you can get involved with. So that means you get done with your day ministry, your nine to five ministry, You can hop on another ministry. You want good family time? Do an outreach together. You want to see something your kids, your teenager, your youth does that will bring tears to your eyes? Watch them pray for someone. Watch them lead someone to the Lord. Watch them lay their hands on someone and get healed. That will bring tears to your eyes. That you, you, you put your kid in a position To experience the power of God unto salvation. The power of God to heal. Do outreaches as a family. That's good family time. Going to the movies, eh, I don't know. You judge. 
but an outreach together where you might change somebody's life for eternity and your kids are watching you do it or they're doing it and you're watching them do it? Oh my gosh. The very first time I saw my son preach the gospel, (laughs) I can't even tell you how I felt. And we stay home from church because we need family time. (laughs) Guys, what are we doing? Stay focused. There's a finish line. There's a race to be run. And there's only so much time to do it. If they don't see you conscious of time, they're not going to be conscious of time. And you only have one life to live for him. This is what you give to God. This life. These choices. You know, young people will say they don't know. You know, when Drew was, you know, in school and he was looking for a job, or he was thinking about what do I want to do for a job, you know what I told him? This is how you find a job. Who do you like to love? Is there a certain people group you like to love, like kids, older people, or just all people? And then how do you want to love them? Like, what are you passionate about? How do you want to love them? Like, like nurses, they're passionate about helping people be healthy. Why? Because that's what they love. That's how they're loving you. Is there, they're helping your health because that's how they love. That's just in them, right? Teachers want kids to learn. They want them to have great futures. So they're called to kids and they want to teach them. That's what they love. Who they love and what they love to do. How do you like to love? Figure that out. Who do you love and how do you like to love? Now, that doesn't mean if, if you decide that, well, I, I, am re- I really like elderly people and I'm into administration. So, I mean, I just want their needs to be met. So I should probably be working at a nursing home in the office because I am ministering to them by taking care of their records, making sure they have a place to stay. But let's say that's not where you are. Don't quit your job until you find that job. (laughs) Don't come back next week and say, Miss Nikki, oh my gosh, I quit my job. You were right. I hated that job. That is not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. Work the job you're in until you find the job you love. But don't stay in a job you don't love. Because there's something you're called to, to love people. If you're like, oh, I just love all people. Just put me where the people are. Go work at Walmart. (laughs) And love every person that comes through. But make your job about your ministry. Make your job about loving people. Find a way. I was talking to Eric the other day, and we were talking about times in our lives when we've like really felt the presence of God. You know, sometimes you can go days and you're like, I haven't felt him. Why, why am I not feeling the presence of God? Why am I not? And you know, he and I were discussing this and the times where we felt God like on our lives is when we're grateful. If you haven't been a great, if you haven't felt God in a few days, I just want to ask, have you been thankful for, for anything? Just just start saying, Lord, I am so thankful for fill in the blank. Get home tonight, say you're thankful for your home. Thankful for your parents who brought you up in the word of God. Lord, I'm so thankful for this life you gave me. And then you'll just, I mean, tears will come to your eyes because you'll you'll know he's real. You'll feel his presence because you're thankful. So love, whatever you're doing, love and be thankful. Remember when I said we're all in different places? Like we're everywhere, but pastor's not everywhere. And Pastor Joseph's not everywhere. And he's the outreach pastor. And we already know that this church is called to have tons of outreaches. But he's not going to find all of them. If you're at work and you see a need, like, you know, the government started filling needs of kids who didn't have food when they came to school. What if the church had done that? It's probably more the church's job than it is our government's job. So remember the scriptures staying focused? Open your eyes. 
We all need to open our eyes and look for needs. You may have a need at your workplace that the church can answer. And then you can bring it to Pastor Joseph. And it can become one of our new outreaches. And the church can get involved and people can get on that team and then they can find the place where they love to love people. Because there's hurting people outside our walls. And Jesus said, love them for me. So all of us need to open our eyes to find needs around us. I'm not saying we're called to answer all of them. I don't know. But what if we just opened our eyes to see them? And then talk about them. Pray for them. Sometimes the best thing we can do is pray. And so we'll pray. And we'll pray. And we'll speak the name of Jesus. There's that song on the radio. Have you heard it? I speak the name of Jesus over you. I love that song. You know? But we as a church are supposed to do something. We have a race to run. So let's stay focused. Amen? Amen. Amen. I hope I encourage you tonight. (laughs) I hope our outreaches start being full. I hope we get more outreaches. I hope you see needs that we can fill. And I hope our church, right, is runs the race that we're called to because we're all running together, having fun, right? Having fun with one another, brimming with worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. Joseph.